Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. Phil Whelan's uh, with me this week uh, from a Pride of Irons, the LGBT organisation connected to West Ham United. It's Jim Dean Dolan. Hello. Hello, Jim. Hello. How, how are, are you? you? Oh, well, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an interrogation, Jim. Just relax. These questions are, questions are going to get a lot harder. They're oh, going to get a lot harder than this. The pressure. <laughs> Stuff. And uh, also with us, it's a young businessman of the month. Uh, that like uh, manager of the month uh, twice in the same. You won it twice in the same year, didn't you? Uh, uh, I've got uh, no idea what you're talking month. about, Phil. But uh, it's hello. Benji Lanyard. Hello, hello, uh, hello. Benji has a, the, the company Pickfair. Correct. Pickfair. Anyone looking to buy any images out there, get to Pickfair for all your image needs and solutions. And they will send the photograph to you in an envelope. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah. how it works. Send a stamped addressed envelope to Pickfair <laughs> and they will send you a photograph of anything you like. Yeah, Is as you right? can see, Phil has been recently appointed my head of marketing <laughs> and you're promoted after that. Thanks very much. Brilliant piece of work. Thanks very much. Uh, and uh, we have three games of football to talk about. Uh, games coming thick and fast uh, at the moment, we play, we're playing the day after tomorrow, aren't we? Absolutely. Uh, so that'll be four games in 12 days, mm. I think. Uh, so, yeah, a big, big uh, fixture pile-up. So we have Arsenal, United in the Cup, and Leicester to talk about. Do we have to talk about United in the Cup? Well, I think we have to. <laughs> I think we have to discuss it. Uh, I saw all of those games. We, we drove up yesterday, didn't we, Benji, to yep. Leicester, saw that game uh, with Jim, Jim who can't be here. Jim is... Uh, Rest his soul. Dead. Yep, yeah, yeah, Jim's, Jim's dead. Uh, tragically, uh, yeah, he Off a cliff in a car, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Travelling up to Leicester, we, we tailgated um, uh, David Sullivan's. David Sullivan's... Uh, it, was like, um, it was like Mad Max Fury Road, wasn't it? We, exactly we, we like that. We tailgated his magnificent Bentley made out of old Rolls-Royce parts <laughs> with, a, with strapped to the front a, 
a bloke playing electric guitar. That was Ricardo Vazte, I think. Oh, it might have been Ricardo Vazte. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's what he's doing now. Yes, is, he's strapped so. to the yeah. front of uh, vehicles in a kind of post-apocalyptic <laughs> future playing electric guitar. And it suits him. He does, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he was... Um, so we, we hurtled up to Leicester in convoy with uh, David Sullivan um, at speeds of up to... Speeds of up to 200 miles an hour, I'd say, we hit at least. going up there. Um, uh, and that was, that was good. That was good. He, uh, all the traffic, uh, he, he just threw, they threw limpet mines out of the window <laughs> of, the, of his car at all traffic in the way. Uh, there was a kind of escort of, uh, of like heavy metal people on motorbikes um, forcing other motorists off the road and into the hard shoulder. Um, He's got a lot of money, David. David, Sullivan. you can do what you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jim, you said you met uh, the non-tweeting son. He does David. tweet, but he's not the one who does the announcements. He's not, the one, not Jack Sullivan. You met Dave David Sullivan, Sullivan Jr. Jr. Yeah. yeah, nice bloke. Nice. He's bloke. very nice yeah, though. I didn't yeah. even know it was him. He, I, I would have expected someone you know who was known to just kind of make themselves known. Yeah. And it's only when like, he's familiar. Who, who is he? And someone went, "That's." Dave Jr. So, oh, right. It was a really, really nice guy, actually. He wasn't dressed in kind of like a sort he didn't of have a, epaulette. No, he didn't have a Russian <laughs> coat. Sort of like medals and stuff no. like that. It Don't would be much neater if the two Sullivan boys were a real pair of like moneyed brats. But actually, they seem relatively yeah, smart. Like Kim and Jong-un. Nice. Like, yeah, like yeah, exactly. Kim Jong-il's children. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like that. No, they seem all right, and I think when they actually they interview really well. And they are massive West Ham fans, which is yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's great. I don't know if I've made this observation on the podcast before, but it does seem to be quite a go-to position for crazy people to wear sort of uniforms. They start like Michael Jackson, but in the last, <laughs> the last kind of 10 to 15 years of his life, all of his clothes had like medals and epaulets and stuff on them, didn't they? He was like sort of... It's when the delusions of grandeur stop becoming yeah. delusions. Isn't Madonna yeah, going right. that way now as Sorry? well? Isn't Madonna going that way now Is as well? Is she wearing a lot of... Yeah. So she's looked a bit military yeah. lately. That would all yeah. up. Because also they, they used to be that cliche about crazy people that they think they're Napoleon. It's, it's <laughs> always a kind of thing about people in, you know, asylums and stuff that they think they're... Maybe it is this sort of thing that insanity and rising through the echelons of the military <laughs> sort of go together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And... Yeah. And I think that we've just solved vast ways of hmm. psychological theory that, that has been thought about for years and years. So an excellent start to a football podcast. Like I mean, you? I went to Broadmoor and visited the, <laughs> the Yorkshire Ripper or uh, Major Sutcliffe, as he likes to be known. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's, 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 he marches everywhere now. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so let, let's uh, so uh, Arsenal, Manchester United, Leicester is is our uh, menu of games to talk about. So the, I mean, in terms of all of them, there's been a little bit of, uh, and Andy Carroll might in fact get in in trouble for pointing out uh, um, the bloody ref- refereeing kind of inconsistencies <sighs> that have sort yeah. of followed the team since that Chelsea fixture. You know, he's arguing that we. Uh, Four draws, so that's Chelsea, Palace, Arsenal, Leicester, could have all been wins and that we should be eight points better off, which would make us third in the uh, division, I think. I think I agree with all of that. And and the only issue is that yesterday the referee actually evened it out and probably treated Leicester as appallingly as he treated us. Mm. But in the games running up, certainly, I mean, against... There was disallowed goals against United, disallowed goals against Arsenal. 
Um, yesterday, the penalty that evened it up at the end yeah. shouldn't have happened. Well, there Arsenal, were, the, the United game, the, 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 the Old Trafford leg, there was, a, there was their goal shouldn't have stood. So it does feel a little, you know, you're, you're told perennially that, that these things even them out over, over a season. Mm. And in the Leicester game yesterday, it probably did even itself out. However, over the course of the season, we are getting a lot hard, we're, we're getting a lot more decisions against us than, than, than for us. And that is borne out by the fact we've had three rescinded red cards. I mean, yeah. I don't think that's happened before in the Premier League to, to one team over the course of a season no no strange it's, a bit, it's difficult it, to it, you know um, driving back from the game last night the, through, the, through the hideous static what we could hear of kind of 606 there was a guy that kind of rang in and uh, you know pointed out exactly what we've been saying but, but you know the counter argument to that is in a sense well what do you think's happening what 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 is the what is the point of this conspiracy amongst all referees to somehow rob west ham united of of glory or or, or yeah. positions in the league what do you imagine is how, what is this conspiracy about like the kind of you know the sort of World Trade Center <laughs> conspiracy. It's like a, it's a sort of, you know, thereby lies a kind of uniform wearing madness, a sort of <laughs> belief that conspiracies are bound. Well, it's definitely brought a tin hat brigade, tin foil hat brigade. Yeah, yeah. Like yesterday, I think, what, 20 minutes into the game, you had someone on, on the Facebook group saying, oh, he's, he'll send one of our players off in a minute, oh, the 12th yeah. man, and all this stuff. And you're like, what are you? Yeah, talking what, about you know, what's, what's what is the end game? It is. I mean, I, you know, I think that there. It was interesting yesterday. You know, I was saying to Jim uh, earlier, Benji, that the the um, we felt that uh, our players were getting kicked a lot and things weren't going our way. And then a foul was given, and the West Ham fans gave a huge ironic cheer. But only a few moments later, you realised that the Leicester fans were feeling exactly the same way when a decision went their way, and they gave a huge sarcastic cheer. And, you, and I was thinking... Really? I'm sort of, sort of thinking, I'm, well, I'm sort of, sort of thinking, yes, you have had some sort of decision going against you, but your players have been kicking us since but the by, beginning. Yeah, of by the that game. point, how many times had Morgan dragged Emanike yeah. over or got him in a headlock yeah. or, or whatever? Yeah, that's right. And, and Hooth, part of like the, the, you know, the trade description of Hooth is that he's a horrible, dirty centre back that is going to get away with absolutely anything he possibly can. And, and ultimately, at the other end, we fouled Hooth hideously in the area and got away with it. I think all of these decisions, it, it can feel very pointless to argue about them. Yes, they are very annoying. But as, as, as you said, with this sort of five live um, caller, what, what, how do you expand on that, that discussion? We've, been, we've had some really bad decisions. What can you do about it? Nothing. Um, and I think that, that you, you hope that maybe all you can hope for, and this is kind of ridiculous and cynical in itself, all you can hope for is that the other referees are listening and thinking, oh, do you know what? I might do West Ham a few favours in the next game. But that's just, just not going to happen. No. Having said that, I thought, some of the re- I thought Leicester getting bad decisions yesterday might have been a consequence of that because they've been, they've been given a few favours over the last well, few I games. Well, th- yes. I mean, I think in a way, you, you know, one thing you might be able to try to understand or draw conclusions from is uh you know the season Leicester have had uh, 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 over the course of the game because you you if they were so surprised that the ref was blowing up at some of those things like you know Morgan or Hooth just manhandling players to the ground you're thinking well maybe they've maybe they've been getting the rub of the green for the majority of the season because... They've had you know, something like 11 penalties, haven't they? Yeah, and the last yeah. two, three games, they've had, like, I think, four different penalty appeals turned down. And I think, ultimately, if you step back and actually, you know, think about the football in the last three games, 
I think they were all the fair result. So Arsenal, I think a draw was the right result. Man United, I think we deserve to lose. Yes. And Leicester, I think a draw was the fair result. So, so however bad the refereeing decisions were, in terms of the way that we played, off the, I, I think what, hap- what happened should have happened. Yeah, I, th- I think, I wonder, I wonder whether with Leicester, in a way, that they've been cut slack. Uh, during those sort of most of the season, because they are the plucky little team that could, and and you know they've actually been sort of favourably treated, and perhaps yesterday was was a little bit of a kind of comeuppance. Because if Huth and Morgan have been doing that all season, and you know. Um, Highlights packages and the neutral looking at the highlights of the game yesterday would think that possibly the two yellow cards for Vardy, um, you know, added up are a little unfair. And that perhaps that kind of first one, there wasn't a lot of contact on Chiati when he went over. But what we had seen was that that was about the fourth time, wasn't it, that Vardy had, had done that. And that I think the referee had had a word with him. And in the end, he just did it again. Yeah. And the ref pulled a yellow card yeah, out. Absolutely. And then when he, you know, that's a, it's a dive. In slow motion, you see he kind of runs into, into our player and goes over. You know, um, uh, sorry, not his... His yeah, the, his yellow card, yeah. uh, not not their <clears throat> not their penalty, which was yeah. schlop, wasn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, that fairly debatable penalty. Well, yeah, that wasn't a penalty. Debatable, wasn't it wasn't. It a penalty. No, it was a penalty. But, but his his you know, it's a blatant dive when oh, yeah. uh, Vardy goes. I think over. most people seem to agree with that. It's the, it's the harshness of the first yellow. But anyway, with, with the football, from, from a West Ham perspective, there, there probably have been themes in the last three games, which is, first of all, the resurgence of Andy Carroll. I mean, he, he was magnificent against Arsenal. He was, he was really... Yeah, should we go back to the Arsenal? Let's sort of deal with them in order. There are some sure. overarching kind of points to make. Um, yeah, the Arsenal game was, uh, you know, we, we, we had the ball in the net six times yeah. in that game, and the referee let us have three of them. Two of them, arguably, should have been stricken off, but we... we we had four goals, yep. four valid goals, and we're only allowed to have three of them. And, um, you know, that's, that, that was extremely unfortunate. Also, there's arguably their goal was offside. Uh, Monreal had gone over very flamboyantly in the build-up. For about to the, the third time as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. And you sense that we slightly stopped, which obviously we shouldn't do, play to the whistle. But, you know, in a sense... You know, whether there was a little bit of contact, he had sort of dived and kind of simulation had happened in the build-up to their goal. And at that point, is he not offside? I mean, if he yes, jumps right. up as yeah, well, yeah. In the, in, and he's interfering it, with play. It's the argument of interfe- exactly, you know, what constitutes interference. And I think that if you're a centre-back and you know there's a guy on the floor behind you, you are aware of that. Whether, whether you yeah. move your body towards it and, 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 you know, change your position because of it is almost irrelevant. The guy is interfering with play just by virtue of being yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that what was... I think the most encouraging thing about that Arsenal game is... Is what was Andy Carroll, and and he showed that with, with him in our squad, we've got a weapon that pretty much, in fact, no one else in the Premier League has got that kind of weapon. And it's a very, very, and I've, and I've said this many times, it's it's a, it's the most powerful Plan B that any team in the league can have. I don't yeah. think that Andy Carroll should start for us. I think if everyone's fit and everyone's happy, and that that is a question that that is a question with Sacco, but Sacco starts, mm-hmm. um, and I think it it seems very clear that in the summer we're going to buy a striker in the Sacco ilk who can sit up there and will be our first choice centre forward. But yeah. having Andy Carroll on the bench is an incredibly potent weapon because yes. he's, he showed exactly what he can do against a very high class team. Well, and he, in previous seasons, Arsenal pretty much always beat us at Upton Park and yeah. we took them apart in that sort of 10 minutes either side of half time yeah, yeah. and, and the, the argument's come out of that that's been you know doing the rounds in the press is whether or not Andy Carroll should be considered an England squad player 
And personally, I think absolutely he should because he brings something that nobody else in that squad has got. Well, his goal in the Euros was was a very yeah. good goal. Fantastic. The, the head one in Sweden, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, against Sweden. I mean, he's absolutely yeah. devastating in the end. And you yeah. think, yeah, if you've got, say, a, a smaller team, for instance, that you don't want to kind of knacker your first team against in, in the in the Euros then why not stick Andy Carroll on there well, and just start terrorise I don't know how they played at Newcastle whether it was kind of 4-4-2 or you know what their formation was but um, when uh, I guess Sacco must have got injured and uh, Carroll came into the team for the away game at Spurs which is one of our worst performances this season part of what made it bad was that it was actually the way Sam set up we had kind of five across midfield Carroll isolated on his own sort of up front and uh, and it just really didn't work and he doesn't for the way Bilic wants to play he doesn't have the pace to be that kind no. of solo from him however what he does now is he kind of joins in with the midfield a bit and there were some wonderful like cross field passes against Arsenal yeah. his his passing is good he's kind of you know he's now a kind of experienced footballer, he's a good footballer. who's played you know he he helped one team's promotion charge by banging the goal in nine, banging the ball in nineteen times in Newcastle's way back to the Premiership, then you know went and played for Liverpool. He's played for England. He's sort of a decent footballer, and he can play. It's it's probably really only his you know lack of real pace that would would you know mean that he doesn't necessarily. But that um, doesn't matter. I, I, I no, not coming off the bench doesn't. No, no. no. But also, just I, I think that pace can sometimes be a bit overrated because it, it can be so potent. It gets overrated in other positions. For example, Dimitri Payet is slow. No, but, yeah, but to, but to be the, the the if you're not playing two up front, you're only playing one up front, right, and you yeah. press hard and you break. That guy's got to be quick. But I think one up front depends on how your midfield's playing. For example, like you know, if you've got wingers high up, you've essentially almost got three up front. And the whole point of that, if you've got an attacking midfield, and we've seen it with Nolan over the last two, three years, is Carroll. You launch him in there, he causes chaos, and everyone else picks up the scraps. And you think. For England, if you've got someone like Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy like knackering the defenders, yeah. and then you bring Andy Carroll yeah, off yeah, the yeah, bench yeah. with 30 Absolutely. minutes to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, know, you look at all the other contenders for that you know, fourth or potentially even fifth position up front for England in the squad. Welbeck, we know, will probably go, but Welbeck is just a worse version of, of Vardy. And then you, Sturridge is as injury-prone as Andy Carroll. And actually, Sturridge isn't that different to someone like Harry Kane. Or again, um, even like Wayne Rooney's got that kind of flair element. Carroll has got something that nobody else there has no, got. No, and actually, while we're on it, and this is slightly straddling the three games, the player that keeps on putting in performance after performance for us is Aaron Cresswell. How... Ryan Bertrand gets in that squad as the yeah. second choice left back is, 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 is absurd, you know. Yes, it's very strange. And again, this is another silly recent West Ham conspiracy theory. It isn't because Roy Hodgson doesn't like West Ham. It's because Roy Hodgson makes bad decisions sometimes, agnostic of the club that he's making the decisions about. I, I think you can see a, a decent argument why maybe Mark Noble shouldn't be in there. He deserves a cap, but he probably shouldn't go to the Euros. But in terms of people that should be on the plane or the Eurostar or whatever it be, Carroll and Cresswell have got very compelling arguments and should at least be tried out over the next period of time. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of people are kind of second-guessing what Roy's going to do already and, and, and getting cross about things that haven't happened yet as if they have happened. It's bizarre. It's like the, um, there was a really furious uh, sort of series of posts during the away Sunderland game earlier this season, which when they scored two goals, literally people were 
thought the game had finished <laughs> and were going, this is, the, I mean, the Billich backlash starts here. It's just extraordinary. It's like that thing where you can cash out on a bet before the end of the game or something. It's some, that seems to have affected football analysis in that people take every passing moment as the last moment of the match. With, with Hodgson, though, I think that if he hasn't experimented with Cresswell or Andy Carroll so far... He's unlikely to over. No, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and well, Carroll, you know, I mean, in, you know, in in Roy's defence, Carroll has only come to fitness in the last yeah, very few. Much so. God, it's not Roy's. It's not Carroll's. It's not um, Hodgson's fault that that you know he hasn't been able to look at Carroll and Carroll's been injured for a long time. You can't level the same accusation at like, oh, he's definitely going to take Wilshire, and Wilshire's injured all the time. He's definitely going to take. Him. You know, maybe he will take him. It'd be a bit weird, but take literally someone who hasn't played for. But then nearly. Walcott went to the World Cup, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was fit, though. I mean, he yeah, was, I mean, he was, he he was an unknown, yeah. wasn't yeah, he, really? Yeah, yeah, Anyway, the, the devastating <clears throat> Andy Carroll we, the, that we saw against Arsenal, sadly, we couldn't find the same Andy Carroll against Man United. It felt as if all of the kind of synapses that led up to Carroll headers and Carroll causing yes, chaos were, were stopped. No, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, the... the um, you know, just to cap off the Arsenal game, it was a bloody good game. It really was. It was a really, really good game of football. And that's another thing about this season, is the amount of really good games of football we've been involved in. And that, you know, not wishing to dwell on, on you know, looking backwards, that's something that's been missing from the last few seasons. Absolutely. And that's someone who only really watches highlights or match reports doesn't understand was perhaps you know the source of a bit of negative feeling from the crowds was was that these are not good games of football with games that we sort of sneak a one nil win they're not good games uh, a, a lot of the games of football we've played this season have been fantastic matches for the neutral and that Absolutely. Arsenal one was brilliant Absolutely you brilliant. know the timings of the goals were extraordinary for us it was amazing that we scored that goal on the 44th minute you're going great we've pulled one back they're going in half time uh, Wenger's team talks could be very different at, at halftime. Then we banged another one <laughs> like a minute and a half yeah. later and they went in from being two up. They were 2-2. Two, two. Uh, it's actually been just, a bit of a theme of this know. season. There's been a number of times when we build up such momentum in a game that we get, we don't just get one, we get two. You think against Norwich, mm-hmm. we came back, yeah, scored yeah. two in five minutes. Oh, the Everton game when we came back and scored those three. Everton, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then and then against Arsenal. And then also this, this weekend against Leicester, we scored two goals in a very short period. Yeah, that's right. It's clearly a thing. Like, yeah. we're, you know, Bilic must be telling them, when you get a goal, go at them really hard afterwards because yeah. they're shaking. And, yeah. it, and, it, and it's incredibly effective. Whereas... Again, Allardyce, you get a goal, then just relax a little yeah, bit because yeah. you know you need to make the sure lock things up, are steady yeah, yeah, and lock it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah lock it up. Um, you know, one thing that uh, again, this uh, because games are coming thick and fast, like Jamie Vardy. Um, <laughs> uh, he only made one substitution against Arsenal, and there were there are without this turning into a kind of billich out. <laughs> tirade I have questions I have questions you know we've got a game every three days uh, as I say four games in 12 days you know earlier this season one of the things we've been saying is this is the best West Ham squad, squad. Yep. for years it seems really that there's 11 players he likes and uh, they're playing you know like to not use your three substitutions in quite a tough game when you've got the, the, the cup match in just three days' time, that was very odd. Mm, that was, was very yeah. odd. I think, um, I think where he's, he's tried to compensate for that by, by, by resting Carol and Lanzini. 
um, against against Leicester. But it the does top seem, team in the division. I know, I know. But a it, strange... do, it does it does seem yeah, like he definitely yeah. you, you know who his favourite starting lineup is. Don't mm-hmm. you? My worry is that he keeps playing Antonio right back and. Not that not is a bad player. I mean, he, yeah. he chases the ball Ryan up and down and goes in for everything. Now. But uh, Byron must be fit. Yeah, but you do you know the mistake against Manu that yeah. led to the goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you think it's not his natural position. Why no. is he being wedged no, no, in that's there? Right. I, I think it's just Tomkins he wants though. to include him, doesn't it? Like he. But you you can do think, that without him playing right back. He he. He's worthy that, of his place. Right? Our yeah. best team is you know our best our best front four is Sacco with Lanzini, Pae, and Antonio yeah, behind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think I think I think Bilic realizes that. And I think when Tonkins is fully fit and we've got our full complement of centre backs, I think Tonkins will play right back until Byron is good enough to really step up there. We've Byron got another looks, right back in Byron the summer, looks surely. Right to me, I thought Byron. We just don't know yet. He hasn't. Uh, he, he he looked good on his on his debut, and then his, his, the game he started thereafter, he he looked all right. Mm. I but thought he looked, you know. Look at the problems we had with, um, with Jenkinson, Jenkinson, though. Yeah. You've got to buy another right back in the summer, surely. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, can't yeah. just I go in with Byron. Yeah. No, I think we will. And I don't know whether he, I mean, he's a big fan of Hendry because, he, you know, it's like Cresswell mercifully seems to be fairly fit, but he did miss Touch a couple wood. of games and we I can't remember what we did, but it wasn't play Hendry. Oh, Bonner, I think, went yeah. to left back. Or moved Jenkinson to left back. Yeah. And yes, we on. did once. I don't, yeah. You know, I don't think he's completely... You know, it's in a similar way with centre-back. It's, it seems like uh, Oxford and Burke and moving Kiati to centre-back have overtaken Donnell Henry, who, when he went on loan to Blackburn, they loved him, thought he yeah. was great. It was and stormy first he game, He came very highly recommended when we got, got a hold of him, but... I don't know, maybe, you know, it just takes a while. Yep. Um, but, yep. um, so we didn't rotate and I thought we looked tired against Manchester United. Agreed. I think it was the wrong selection. The midfield clearly was where we were let down and, and he didn't make any changes quick enough. It was obvious no. that Valencia was struggling. Yes. Right? And, um, is it Lanzini? The change to make for me, and he should have made it earlier at half time, was... Valencia, yeah, I still like Valencia, but he's finding it difficult to make an impression in games. And mm. I think he could have come off. And Obiang could have come. Because yeah. we were just being overrun in, in the middle of the park. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and again, sort of, pundits are, pundits are surprisingly dumb, aren't they? There was like, you know, they were going, United played on Sunday, uh, West Ham played on Saturday, but United looked much the, the fresher team. He changed six players. <laughs> that's why they. That's why they were the, the fresher seeming team. He gave youngsters a chance, and they were snapping at us. They were doing what we do to other teams. Every second ball, they 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 got a hold of first. We 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 were really kind of outplayed. In it was game. the perfect storm. We we it's, and it's so frustrating that we chose probably our biggest game of the season to really not turn up. And yeah. and, and and Man United have not played that well all season. No, no. You know, it was it was incredibly frustrating that this game that we had so such high hopes for we just didn't none of the things that we've been doing previously for the whole season came off. We weren't breaking really quickly. Lanzini was losing the ball, which he never yeah. does. Pae's free kicks were wayward. His, his crosses were off. We couldn't find any width to get the ball no. into Carroll. And to be fair, Man United absolutely hammered the midfield and it felt as if they had an extra man in there. Well, it, we, we, we were good for the first 15 minutes. And, and you know, right Jim, for the last 10. Jim yeah. turned to me at one point when, you know, we have to put the ball in the net now because we're on top. And we were for like 15 minutes. And... Um, we didn't, and then they came into it. And even the, you know, we knew things weren't going our way when after half time, if anything, they came back reinvigorated and we just kept going the same way. And I, 
You know, I think there was a certain amount of tiredness from the from the Arsenal match. I think you're right. And to be fair, though, I think that it did look as if we had recovered that by the time Leicester came around. Because mm, mm. um, we were, mu- it was a mu- like, again the Leicester game yesterday was another great game. The West Ham have been involved. Yes, in. it was like, a good game. We were playing against a team that are incredibly high pace, very high intensity. Mm. We saw all the reasons why they're top of the league in that game. Very yesterday. difficult. They they're, they're happy to sit back really deep, aren't they? And then that ball over the top for Vardy to chase. Absolutely. And they're, they're an incredibly effective team. Yeah. Time. Okizaki's quick too. So that, and, and when a team sits, sits back that deep, it's difficult for us to do the same thing. Yeah. It's difficult, you know, um, yeah, it's very hard. Because if they're sitting deep, we can't do a ball over the top for someone like Valencia to run onto or, or Moses to run onto because they're, they're already defending their you know their 18 yard box and they're incredibly incredibly well balanced the, the kind of the 4-4-2 works perfectly for them and their two mm. central midfielders are both box to box Drinkwater and Kante are both box to box and they they're one of these teams that really knows their roles and I've got to say I came away from yesterday with you know renewed respect for Leicester because the team was excellent I thought the atmosphere in there was brilliant it was good, their yeah, fans yeah. are clearly having an absolute ball yeah. and, I hate, and I hate to say this because it's, it's kind of it's a bit of a pointless thing to say but one of the reasons I love what Leicester are doing this season is because it lays a lie to this idea that you have to be a big club in yeah. order to achieve things in the game and, and, and that's why you know despite the fact that you know the combined billions of the Man City owners and the Chelsea owners and teams like like Leicester are doing better than them and also what we're doing this year is we are punching above our weight right now next year when we move to Olymp- the Olympic Stadium which we can discuss in, in yeah. a minute um, you know that might be our weight but it is it is great to see and there was a very small part of me that when we went 2-1 up with that amazing Cresswell gold felt a mm. bit bad <laughs> I generally felt a little bit like oh god what yeah, have we done yeah before the game you said that you were happy if we lost this not game. happy you take that back Phil Williams no you said that That's I said it would said. be it was you the said first... I want to lose this game I did not you say said, that you uh, said I hate West Ham I hate West Ham and everything about them. Yeah, yeah, I, it was the first. Lose. No, generally, it was the first West Ham game I've ever been to where I wouldn't mind if we lost. As in, I wouldn't be gutted if we lost. I, I hate like West Ham's results dictate my mood pretty much always. This one, if we'd lost, I'd be a little bit like, okay, we lost, but it means that Leicester are more, like, more likely to win the league. And I still desperately want, want them to win the league. I'm absolutely shouting for them. I, I, I think that what they're doing is exceptional. I think it. Uh, I I felt that I wanted us to maybe at least get a draw yesterday simply because there's a slight danger after that loss to United of our sort of season petering out a little bit and I, and I especially since because the performance was so bad against United mm. you know um, and I just wondered whether we were just slightly going to lose our way with you know enough points accrued for everything to be absolutely fine, but to just slightly fall away. But our performance yesterday w- suggested otherwise. Like we, we were up for it, we were quick, yeah, we were yeah. quite potent. Especially when Carroll came on, like he's he's got to start against Watford on on Wednesday, I think. Well, Sacco's missing, isn't he? So he Anyone know what's going on with Sacco? Something's up. So, so, I, I don't. Various people have said to me he's not injured. And the, these are well, journalists who I mean, have got access, yeah. and, I, and and apparently there's been a falling out, but I haven't heard anything vaguely definitive. And you worry about like there's always things always seem to be going on yeah. to Sacco, to, yeah. to Sacco, yeah. He's yeah, there's he's a troubled man, isn't he? Yeah, there's domestic violence. I mean, we, we talked Crushing a little bit his car about into someone's garden wall and yeah. all of that stuff. But you, you know the way Billich is with with troublemakers, the way he was with Amalfitano. So yeah. if he is causing trouble, maybe that's I think, I why think he's been kept out. I think you're spot on, and I will tell you what, I think I really back Billich with that. I think that you 
that you can't have too many... Well, I don't think you can necessarily have any elements like that in your squad for, uh, who aren't then coming onto the pitch uh, or on the training pitch and absolutely going for it. If they have got a slightly chaotic um, private life, but they are giving everything, then fine. But if they are falling out with the manager, because apparently it came from he was dropped against Arsenal, Andy Carroll was starting, a decision which, by the way, was totally vindicated, and, mm. and, and, Carroll ki- and uh, Sacco kicked off, and therefore he was out of the squad. Yeah, um, and I think apparently Song was part of it as well, and then Song was out of the squad, and I, I I just don't think you can you can put up with that, especially when there is such fierce competition. And Andy Carroll is now our, probably our number one striker for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, but like you say, I mean, I wouldn't start with him. You know, in the future. ideally no, no. Ideally. Uh, well, I I, I think that it, it's obvious they're going for a striker in the summer. Yeah, and I think that if that striker replaces Sacco, as much as it would be annoying because Sacco's a magnificent player. Then, then, then so be it. I think there probably are, you know, I think Lukaku's probably a better better version of what Sako can do. Yeah, so Lukaku, Boney. There are other players that we don't know about. Batashui you know, guy. Yeah, yeah. This Marseille player, Batashui, however you pronounce it, that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's always a gamble because we know Sako can do it. But I said this a few weeks ago on the pod, Sako has missed more than half of the games that yeah, he could have yeah, been yeah, able to yeah. play in since he's been here. So. Well, I mean, I think that's part of the thing with his kind of slightly chaotic private life is that he's, he's sort of not playing football so you know these young men nasty young injury men. though right yeah, I mean yeah, the, the yeah, muscle was yeah, like yeah, torn yeah. from the bone and yeah. stuff so it was pretty that's pretty right. harsh but, 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 but that's that, that's why he's been missing for a, for a, for a long time. But also, you know, young young men with a lot of disposable income and a lot of time on their hands can create a bit of mayhem around. You know, like Carol was doing coke in nightclubs <laughs> apparently when he was out. Yeah, but that like, Billish you know. has been quite clear. He said, he said the other day after the hat trick, he he said almost you know in the same statement, you know, Carol can be something truly s- sensational, but he has to really live like a professional, and that yeah. was actually. Perfect. It was absolutely perfect management because he's saying, yes, what he's done today is exceptional. Doesn't override all the other stuff, which is that that he needs to really knuckle down and, and be and be good to himself. Talking of, sort of disciplined things, I'm sort of so, was surprised that there wasn't a hint of fallout from um, Mark Noble picking up a Manchester United player like, oh, that was like a caber, like someone about to toss the caber. He picked <laughs> him up vertically, didn't he, and sort of walked him off the pitch. And I sort of like... You know, the the Manu physio sort of yelled at him. Herrera, wasn't it, that he picked up? Was it Herrera? Yes. Sort of, you know, Herrera, you know, snapped at him, obviously, because he had picked him up and uh, manhandled him off the pitch. The only other time I've seen that was um, Julian Dix picked up Brian Roy. And uh, <laughs> it was just, it was sort of, it was kind of early on in uh, referees being instructed to kind of... Um, uh, clamp down on sort of fisticuffs and uh, that all that thing of oh if you raise your hands if you raise your hands that's it I just think it's nonsense mm. you know it's like I don't mind if footballers shove each other around for it it's absolutely fine it's like idiocy focusing on the wrong thing but um, but you know Brian Roy really fouled uh, Julian Dix who kind of stood you know stood up angrily and then Roy decided to confront him in that kind of chest-to-chest thing. And you're just going, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> and uh, Dix just picked him up and threw him away. And he went up to the ref going, hey, did you see him? He raised his hands when he raised his hands when You just saw the ref more or less go, well, you made him angry. <laughs> Shouldn't do that. And the ref just, you know, just uh, shrugged away Roy's protestations. Because it's one of those it's things, it's like, it's like everybody with a shred of sense can see that, yep, fair play, Mark. 
Noble. That's yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he right. actually did it with Jenkinson earlier in the season, where Jenkinson was sort of down and rolling around a little bit, and Mark Noble went up and picked him up. Picked him up. Get right, on with right. it. Yeah. This is the this is the constitution of Mark Noble. But interesting though, he didn't even get a, a card. No, that's right. It's like the refs that, sort of even I was acknowledging it. There wasn't some fallout from that. Yeah. You know, the, the the you know United didn't put in a kind of official complaint, or you know, because it is the sort of thing that uh, you know quite wrongly referees might be kind of instructed to sort of clamp down on because it's like steps slightly outside the rigid confines of I think it depends on on what kind of game it is as well and if there is if it is happens in the middle of a period of intensity or or aggro then yes it gets looked at I think ultimately referees don't have to deal with anything like that because Yeah, in the same way. Well, well, it depends on the referee, actually. I think the ref yesterday was determined to get involved in as much as possible. Yes, yes. I mean, I don't know. I think he, up until, I, I think, personally, he was trying to allow the game to happen because he, he spoke to their players a couple of times before he gave the penalty. He spoke to Vardy a couple of times before the first card. Yeah. I think he was trying to let the game happen. But in that last minute, I think the, the crowd got on top of him and he totally bottled it. Yeah, and actually, an alternative narrative to the whole... Um, uh, Vardy issue is that it was a very brave decision to send off the plucky team at the top of the league yeah, star yeah. striker for diving yeah. in the area you know that that was actually a, yeah. that took some chutzpah but in the end the whole situation got the better of him and, and I think that even even though it was the right result and the silly decisions evened themselves out there were there were too many significantly silly decisions yeah well it was getting you know the, because I think I think in a way uh, with, with the behaviour of Morgan and Huth sort of going unpunished all the time, it, like, it felt that when Ogbonna started grabbing their players sort of in the area, because, because, he, because obviously our central defenders go up for corners, so they're being manhandled by Ruth and, uh, Huth and Morgan. Huth and Morgan. Um, they kind of go, well, if they're doing it, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to do it as well. So, so Ogbonna, you know... F- Threw hoof to the ground. Didn't oh, he had his arm around him. Yeah, sort of hands yeah. around. You know, and and Reed is a little bit of a master of the dark arts. Oh, anyway, yeah. he he kind of gets in nasty little shoves and stuff like that. Uh, he is a little bit like that. But it it was um, during the period. I agree, Jim, that the ref was trying to let it sort of slide a bit. That it was got, starting to get kind of a little uglier and. Mm. I, you know, it seems to me that that's how they play. That's how Leicester play. And they've they've probably got away with quite a lot this season. And that ref just kind of went, you know, well, you know, you can't... I've warned you, you several times. Yeah, I can't you're say at home. You, you might, you know, you guys might think that you've just got a run of the place. And, and yeah, but then, you know, ultimately that evening it out thing was... was Absolutely, what he meant to do, wasn't it? Because you could tell cause it was such. A, it was such a weak. It was such a weak penalty. I mean, it was a stupid thing for Carroll to do in the box in the last minute um, because he undermined his own performance, which was he changed the game. You know, Carroll came mm. off the bench at halftime and changed the game. And what we can hope is that that, that, that second half where we played really well, mm. where we did what we've done of late and we got a couple of goals in quick succession and really kind of capitalised on our, our momentum, we can take into Wednesday night against mm. Watford. Because there's, there's a lot of reasons to suspect that Watford won't be that up for that game. Because no. first of all, they're, you know, they're home and dry, they're safe. And also they've got the, the semi final yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they've got to be our favourites now, surely, of everyone who's left. Mm. Yeah. What? 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 Yeah. Palace, Everton, Man United. Man U. Well, it's got to be Watford. Well, let's, let's bloody hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that he made that change yesterday, didn't he, of taking Obiang off? Because the way Leicester played, he was not all that effective in that role because they were kind of missing the midfielder out quite yeah. a lot with balls over the top. Um, like the opposite of Man U, really. Yeah, the opposite, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether he kind of brings Obiang into the, into the game or not because something was missing in the United game. Uh, you know... Uh, Obviously, in terms of the uh, the commitment and the quality of the performance, it was what was missing was back yesterday against Leicester. We played very well, um, but um, yeah, you know the the decisions in the Manchester United game were slightly bewildering in terms of selection and you know squad rotation from the previous game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Interesting Absolutely. to see what he does. Yeah. Um, uh, you, Benji, have, uh, have some analysis about uh, the Olympic Stadium bid, I believe. Yeah, so this week, it's the, the details of the Olympic Stadium deal um, were released. It was, I think, a very um, hard-working Charlton fan. I put in an FOI request or whatever it was and then got backed by a bunch of people. And it came out that it looks like it's a very interesting deal. So... We have got to pay £2.5 million a year in rent, which is um, pretty decent considering it's mm-hmm. a £701 million stadium. Um, a one-off payment of £15 million. And also, essentially, like, the, the house that we are renting is entirely furbished. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't have to pay for the, the corner flags, the big screen. Um, £2.5 million a year, that gets you like a one-bedroom flat in... Uh, yeah, exactly. Highland, I, it's it's it? all inflationary. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I've done some, some, um, uh, some analysis of the whole deal, and I, and I conclude, um, well, hey, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it's frankly amazing. And, and to be vaguely serious about it, 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 it's very refreshing for there to be an absolute disastrously ridiculous deal that has happened and for it not to be our fault we've just yeah. done what any sensible football club would have done in the same situation and said absolutely yes please please mm. can we sign this let's do it right now before you change your mind because I, I was half expecting like you know Kia Jarabjian to, to appear within the, <laughs> the paperwork somewhere yeah. but um, no we've got the, the, the deal of the century and you can totally understand why other clubs are annoyed about it, but simultaneously, it's the right thing to do. You've got a big stadium in East London. Who should be the anchor tenants thereafter? It should be West Ham. The yeah. alternative is you've got this white elephant of a stadium with you know, uh, you know, know, 15 athletics events yeah. that no one will watch every single year. It's, no, that's right. It, it, it's brilliant for everyone involved. Um, well, I say that everyone involved in the deal. It's pretty bad for people that weren't involved in the deal. Yeah. And, and you can you, you can see why... Barry Hearn, I think, has got a decent, uh, you know, a decent argument to say that, that Leighton Orient are being screwed here. Um, Spurs, you can kind of understand, but why would it, on earth would you allow Spurs to move to East London away from their fan base pure, in order to knock the stadium down to rebuild it? All of the stipulations that came with that stadium, which is you have to keep the running track, um, meant that West Ham were going to get it in the end. The, the two biggest winners out of all of this are Golden Sullivan, because we are essentially renting a very, 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 very big house that will allow us to make a hell of a lot of money and increase the value of our club by an order of magnitude, and they're not actually having to do much for it. No. But fantastic. Well, we're, yeah, we're benefiting from a, a kind of a, a sort of a strange error of judgment and kind of institutional sort of stupidity. The, 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 for the sake of sort of PR, uh, the words... We will observe the legacy of this magnificent Olympic Games by keeping this enshrined as a as a stadium for athletics. You know the the memory of 
Brendan Foster and Jessica Ennis will live on in this mighty edifice. The fact is, I used to be a, like a run. I, re- I used to run for the county, and, and so I was in a lot of things at Crystal Palace. Where on a sort of rainy day in June, there's about 600 people in one stand watching, you know, the county athletics championship. It was quite a big sort of thing and no one's watching these things you know the occasional high level athletics meeting would get a kind of decent number in but like unless Usain Bolt's running people are just not you know people are just there's not an audience right I think we can actually hold our heads high on this one because I think what Sullivan said on TalkSport the other night is actually true right so it's two and a half million pound okay we've got a fantastic deal there's a four million pound of the sponsorship money then half of everything comes after that all the catering revenue which on its own isn't going to isn't a huge amount of money but that's for 25 days for the rest of the year that stadium is going to exist and things are going to happen in yeah. it, and they're going to make money though that stadium wouldn't be there without us plain no, and simple no, i mean you, you can also look back and say that the whole the, it, it can all be traced back to sebco's you know grandiosity and insisting yeah. that there has to be an athletic legacy athletic here stadium. because no, football he will have be no part of it as well yeah, yeah. And, and because it's it's very very clear that the pro, pro, the one sport that you can guarantee will fill a stadium in an urban area in this country is football. Yeah. Even though yeah, rugby is popular, cricket is popular, but none of them touch football. No, that's right. And especially in East London, where you've where, where you've got a club there who have been in the same gra- ground for you know over a hundred years, and uh, you know I, I I can see how there is going to be a big sort of. Um, a public interest argument here which is or, or a kind of skewed market argument which is we you know the public f- purse is unfairly um rewarding one team and, and not helping any others mm. and I, I can see that argument but what is the alternative what is the alternative yeah, right. is the alternative that we knock it down no that's a stupid idea is the alternative that we have a permanent 50,000 seat uh, athletic stadium there no that's a ridiculous idea is the idea that Spurs move to East London away from you know I think yeah. that is out of order to Spurs fans do they want to move to Stratford yeah. of course they don't there's one interesting point you said earlier 700 million pound stadium which may well be true but it was what 276 million to convert it right so the the other money that came before that that was spent on the olympics the olympics happened then what quite so it was 276 million really yeah i mean which is still a huge amount of money but take that 276 and offset against everything they're going to get back over the the, the life of this tenancy yeah it's just insane and it goes up with inflation as well which Mm -hmm. so it's not two and a half million it's you know, it's going yeah. to keep it balanced. Yeah, yeah. I see this all as a big <clears throat> karmic payoff for getting bought by Icelandic billionaires <laughs> 10 minutes before the bottom fell out of the Icelandic economy. Yeah. I think that we got done there. We got some appalling luck. This time around, we've got some magnificent luck. Yeah. I'm well, taking it. Well, you know, we had that. We had to give Sheffield United £25 million for kind of nothing, really, just because they Done a lot with that, they haven't they? They didn't play, yeah. <laughs> oh, you They bitch. didn't play well enough to stay <laughs> in the division. Uh, they didn't play well enough to stay in the division, so they tried to sue another club. Uh, for them not playing well enough, and they won, yeah. <laughs> insanely. Yeah. After they, how many attempts as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, the, you know, because obviously Carlos Tevez was single. Ha- he, he was yeah, the yeah. only person on the pitch. Samora was the highest scorer in that season, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. and Collins was amazing. Green was amazing. Yeah. Noble was amazing. As, as we constantly say, uh, the you know the media narrative that the Tevez's goal against United kept us in the division which you wouldn't no have. it didn't yeah. it would have been a draw we'd still be in the division yeah. but you know Bananas. that's the bewildering thing anyway we'll take um, this one thank you very yeah. much so um, we I think we might be uh, we might be running out of time now uh, so all, all it remains how is Pride of Irons going Jim 
Fantastic, yeah, actually. Yeah. We we before the um, Man U game, there was a load of us down the pub mixing with the Stop Hammer Time lot because we had twenty of us, like, over twenty actually, attending the Man U game. Yeah, so it's a shame about the result, but there was a double rain, rainbow over Upton there Park. There was, yes, that's right. Well, see, yeah. see gays do control the weather. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it was really good. It was good yeah. to kind of because I met them all individually to give them their tickets, mm-hmm. but they all kind of mingled with each other and with you guys. And, and some of the uh, there was a couple there who had heard of it through this podcast. I was about to say yeah. I won't yeah, say a full name, but Lynn. Lynn yeah. says she heard of it through, Excellent. and she's a big fan of uh, Jim and his poems. Uh, marvelous, marvelous. Well, as as are we all. As are, as we, are all. we all. Indeed, Jim. rest in peace. No, yes, rest in peace. <laughs> your name will live on. Uh, I will and will always be your friend, uh, Spock. As, uh, as I think the film says. Um, and you met some other LGBT uh, organisations from other clubs. Uh, we have done, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's going to be some kind of get-togethers over the uh, the summer for the Euros and stuff. And we marched with a load of them in Pride last year. The Spurs uh, LGBT thing protests that it's, I, I, it's, it's a big LGBT... It's, uh, it's, yeah, their, their part of, the, of the parade is a massive yeah, yeah. part of the we're, parade. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested, what, what, what Premier League club is... is Best in terms of like like representing and Arsenal. embracing is, is it Arsenal? It's Arsenal. They're the first though, so they've been going. For, <clears throat> excuse me, they've been going for two years. Right. Um, but I was saying to to Phil earlier, like the, the, it's weird how you 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 get an identity of fans of different clubs, and it doesn't matter what subsection of society you take it from. Like the Spurs fans that I met at Pride were typical of Spurs fans you'd meet generally yeah. just trying to wind me up and talking about oh the amount of times we beat you blah, blah. it's like a, like a gnat in my so ear so regardless of sexuality they're a bunch of knobheads <laughs> I think I think that's that the, is a what better way of summarising it here. It's, yes. it's encouraging to hear that yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind it's of how it should like be really yeah. the, uh, the entirely unsurprising yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Arsenal LGBT group only really know about members of the Arsenal LGBT <laughs> don't really know anything about any other LGBT groups or how they're performing. They really know about themselves. And yeah. they're big on the internet, obviously, yeah. as are all Very Arsenal fans. Us. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, the Newcastle one hates its owners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that's going well. I'm glad that's going well. Um, so how about predictions for Wednesday's game? It feels like we're just going all the time to these games. It's great. It's quite a lot of well, Imagine if we were still in the cup. Be, I know. Oh, yeah. don't, don't. I'm not watching any of those this weekend. Yeah. Makes me feel yeah. Bad. I think Wednesday night, I think we will win and I think we will avenge our rubbish performance at Vicarage Road and beat yes. them 2-0. 2-0, you reckon. Yeah. Jim? I'm going to go 2-1. It just seems like we just can't have a clean sheet yeah, anymore. Yeah, That's very yeah. true. Yeah. I'm going to go for 3-1. 3-1. 3-1. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, those are the predictions. Uh, this has been Stop Hammer Time. My name's my name. My nine. My nine. My, my nine. Armor. My nine. <laughs> my name is Phil Whelan. So with me, Jim Dean Dolan. Yes. Benji Lanyardo. Goodbye. Come on, you irons. This is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.